Let me go ahead and invite all of us to stand as we do every week when we read God's word. We're reading from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 14, verse 17. It says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's the word of the Lord. Please be seated. And uh, again, yeah, thanks, Marcus, and the whole Doe family for sharing. Let's thank them. All right. You can take, yep. And now, um, church, I get to introduce um, uh, a good friend of mine and my, my boss and uh, our l- leader across all of redemption. Um, Tyler Johnson is the All right, I'm going to keep going here because I coached me here from the front seat. Jenny, thank you. I know. Um, but, yeah, to, Tyler is, uh, is just a, a godly guy, and, um, and he's, he's uh, have a, a lot to speak into this subject in particular that we're walking through. So I'm very excited to hear from Tyler to have him um, down here. And, by the way, he's on a one, maybe two comments about the school up north, okay? So... Let's all hold him accountable to that, but more importantly, let's all um, give him a round of applause. Welcome him up. I just remembered I didn't have my mic on, so I'm turning it on. I wasn't going to say a thing. I was just going to wear my maroon proudly um, and be totally quiet, but Dave said it for me, so I don't need to say it. Hey, it's great to be with you all. Um, I love this church. I really do. Um, The times that I've had to be with you at the Safford School and now because of COVID, uh, the generosity of Mission Church, it is just great to be with you all. And we're talking today in an Advent series called Your Kingdom Come. So your God, kingdom, many of us would think about eternity in that word, and come is this idea of it's needed. So that's actually the title of today's message is Your Kingdom Come, It's Needed. And the candle that we lit is the candle of joy. And so this idea of why is God's kingdom needed uh, specifically hit me at multiple different ways. So the first one was my wife asked me, like, what are you preaching on uh, as you go down there? And I said, joy. And she always will say to me, do you have anything to say? And when she typically asks me that, my answer honestly virtually every time is, no, I don't have anything to say at this point. And she'll make a comment, and this time she showed her background in growing up in church. And as she spoke, it showed my lack of background in growing up in church. And she said, well, why don't you just sing the song? We have joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. And I'm like, because... I don't know that song, right? And then she's like, and if Satan doesn't like it, he can sit on a taxi. Oh, you guys show yourselves, right? So all of you that didn't grow up in the church are like, sit on a what? Tack. Satan can sit on a tack. I'm pretty certain a tack may not bother Satan, but neither here nor there. It makes the point. So that was one of the things. The other one, um, not much like my wife, was Chance the Rapper just came out with a new album. So if you're young in here, don't listen to it. Um, But 
it's very interesting when you listen to artists and or you see artists or people speak in different ways. Um, they actually, all of them, regardless of their faith backgrounds or their faith convictions, will actually speak to why the kingdom of God coming is needed. Chance the Rapper's album is this Christmas album called Merry Christmas Little Mama, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so again, I'm encouraging you, you don't have to all listen to it, so you don't have to, unless you're interested. But he is an incredible artist in the midst of it. And at the last song that's on the album, I was listening to it, and the first line says this, love is a casualty of war. So he's rapping. It sounds a little more dynamic than the way I just said it. But he says, love is a casualty of war. The kingdom of God is needed because love is a casualty of war. And when you look at the way the Bible actually speaks about war, it speaks about it in many different ways. The book of James actually has this incredible phrase that I think about all the time, specifically in my home. And it says, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? And in the midst of it, when you do word studies in this section, the word war will come up, that there are wars inside of our own homes. There are wars inside of our own hearts, right? There are wars inside of churches. There are wars in our cities, and there's wars in our world. And James says what causes wars or fights and quarrels amongst us is actually that we're after things. We really want things that we don't get, and when we don't get them and there's these walls erected between us and what we ultimately want, we fight and we quarrel. Love actually is this casualty of war. So when we say your God, kingdom, the way it should be, or eternity, come, when we say come, we're saying come now because we have a need. And the need, I think, that Chance the Rapper and the Bible and every human heart. There's this famous Christmas hymn that talks about the longing of every human heart. Every means every, not just those who claim the name of Jesus, but the longing of every human heart is love. Now, you can't say the word love without saying relationships. The need is relationships. The need is real relationships, what we ultimately mean by this. So when we say your kingdom come, your God, kingdom, eternity, come now because it's the longing of every human heart, you may stop and go, what do you mean? The way you just said that is it sounds like you're saying the longing of every human heart is the kingdom of God. That is actually what I'm saying, of every human heart, not just the Christian's heart, not just those of faith, whether they be Muslim or Jewish or Hindu or Christian, but even of the atheist and the agnostic, that the longing of every human heart is the kingdom of God. Now, I got to be honest, that is a weird way to say it. And if you're sitting in this room and you go, I don't even know if I believe this, but I know I don't believe that. <laughs> I know that the longing of every human heart, mine is not the kingdom of God. Now, my desire is to open this up for you a little bit and show you why it is for all of us, the longing of our heart is the kingdom of God. The challenge with saying the kingdom of God is it sounds like something to many of us may not be that appetizing or at best confusing at others, maybe repulsive based upon 
how you knew it. I have a really, really good friend of mine um, who's a example of the kingdom of God coming in my life now. His name's Joe Tosini. He's 70 plus years old, um, had an incredible life. He's a New Yorker to the core. I mean, Joe Tosini from New York, put it together. It's, a, it's what you think, right? Makes good pasta, the whole thing. Um, he's a huge gift to me, and this message really flows from things he've, he's walked me into of understanding, but showing me how it really has been in my bones, like forever. Now, Joe tells this story where he's sitting on an airplane, and he asked this woman, he said, let me do some word association with you. And you imagine, like, just on a plane, if you said that to somebody, they'd be like, um, I don't really want to play your word association game, but we're here, and it's a long flight. Like, I guess we're going to. So he said, Bible. And her response was confusing. So he goes, well, let me go on. He says, Bible. She says, confusing. Then he comes up, and he says, heaven. She goes, harps and clouds. He then says, kingdom of God. She goes, mystical and far away. Bible confusing, heaven, harps and clouds, kingdom of God, mystical and far away. Now imagine this, because the Bible says the kingdom of God is something that when people get it, they'll sell everything they have to go and get it. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. When one comes upon it, they go and sell everything they have to buy the field, not the treasure. They buy the whole field just to get the treasure that sits inside. Now, if the kingdom of God is mystical and far away, that doesn't feel like something we would go sell it all to get it. The Bible actually speaks, and Jesus speaks, that the kingdom of God is such that you would seek it first and in seeking it first, everything else that you want would be added within it. So when I say the kingdom of God is every longing heart, I totally get, like the woman in the plane, how you'd go, it ain't what the longing of my heart is. But what is something that's the longing of every human heart that's so deep, so intrinsic that we'd sell everything to get it? The thing that if we sought it first and foremost, we'd get everything else. It's love. And love necessitates relationship. There's a passage in the Old Testament in this section of this Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Actually, many um, people have sung about it um, at times. Uh, and there's this verse says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He is God, has made everything beautiful in its time, but here's the verse you need to understand. He has also set eternity in every human heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has set eternity in the hearts of every human being. So this Christmas hymn, it's the longing of every human heart. This passage in this ancient book called the Bible is saying, that God has set eternity in the hearts of every human being. So what's eternal? In every faith tradition, what's eternal is God. God is community. He's the family before every family. 
in a very real way is we sit here in a church. He's the church before every church. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three distinct individuals, yet so harmonious. The one God in three persons, the family before the family. God is, 1 John 4 says, love. So when this statement says God has set eternity in every human heart, He set love in our hearts, and we are made as human beings in the image of a God who is a family, who is community, which means relationship is built into the bones, the heart of every human being. So the longing of every human heart is real relationship. And real relationship, as we watch at any funeral when we've lost someone, is it's permanent. There's a breaking that you go, this is not the way it's supposed to be. There's a reality, if I asked right now, that what is in the midst of when you think about what your greatest joy in life, that's the candle we just lit, joy, what's the greatest joy in life and what's your greatest sorrow? If we started with the latter, What's your greatest sorrow in life? I would bet almost everything I have that your greatest sorrow in life certainly has to do with relationships or a relationship. If I right now talked about my greatest sorrow in my life, um, one of the people that was closest to me in my entire life was my father-in-law. When I lost him and lost my mother-in-law, so my wife's lost both of her parents, both to cancer, um, it's one of the greatest sorrows we've walked through ever. For certain, her greatest sorrow, it's also my greatest sorrow, and walking through sorrow in the midst of marriage is an astounding walk. In many times in marriages, it makes or breaks people, right? Walking through a sorrow of maybe in getting married, you realize the person you married in ways you never knew before. You realize their traumas. You realize their struggles. And many times, if I said, what's the greatest sorrow in many of your lives, you may speak about your parents' divorce. You may say, talk about something horrific that happened to you or that you did to somebody previously in your life. But it all functions back to relationship. Now, if I flip to the other side of the coin and said, what's your greatest joy in life? It would also directly have to do with relationship. The things that bring us the greatest joy in life and the things that bring us the greatest sorrow in life is relationship. Now, what's amazing about that is when you take this book, which Christians follow, um, this side of mine says the Holy Bible, Many of us look at the Bible, and like the woman on the plane that Joe Tosini was sitting next to, we go, confusing. This book will make way more sense to you if you understand the plumb line. The foundational thread of this whole book is relationship. This whole book is all about love. This is what Jesus says. What's the greatest of all the commandments? He says, upon this hang all the law and the prophets. That's like all the weird stuff in the Old Testament that's really confusing. He says, upon this hang all the law and the prophets. What's the this? Love God with all your everything and love those who are around you as you'd love yourself. He's like, that's what the whole Bible's about. Even when we get into these deeply what we would call theological books, of the Bible, the book of Galatians, 
where he says, if an angel from heaven comes to you and preaches any message of good news that's different than mine, let him be accursed. And you're like, whoa, that's pretty dramatic. You want to know where that book, when it drives its argument to the end, when the end of that book makes this statement of the only thing that counts for anything, that's the exact phrase, is what? Faith working itself out through love. The book of Romans, incredibly deep, deep, rich book about God's love for the world and how he works it all out. And it comes all the way to chapter 12, 13, and 14 at the end of the book. And he says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. It's always confused me because I'm like, the answer is more than one word. But here's what he says. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. I think the one word is this word love. And love is, at its core, relationship. My friend, I've mentioned him, but I'm going to quote him now directly. His name's Joe Tosini, says this. God's work throughout history has been to train us to have proper relationships. Now, think of just how simple this gets. You're sitting on a plane, you go, Bible confusing, heaven, harps, and clouds, kingdom of God, mystical and far away. Like, that means kind of not very relevant. But God's work throughout all of history has been to train us to have proper relationships with Him and with each other. Proper relationships define and distinguish the kingdom of God. Now, if your greatest joy and your greatest sorrows in life, we run from sorrow, we run to joy. If they're both fundamentally all about relationship, and I say to you, your kingdom come, it's needed. Regardless if you're in here and you claim to be a Christian or not, a Christ follower or not, if I said at the end of your life what you believe you're really after, I shouldn't even say at the end of your life, at this present moment, could you, would you pursue wisdom that brings about proper relationships? If your greatest joys and sorrows are built around it. Most would say, yes, I'm trying to appeal to all of us that when we say your kingdom come and then we say it's needed, that we could go out right now and talk to anybody, talk to our kids, talk to our spouses, talk to our family during the holidays, talk to our coworkers right now and say the greatest need that we have and the greatest aspiration we all have is the kingdom of God. Now, the passage Marcus read, I want to read again. It's Romans 14, verse 17. In Romans 14, 17, speaking about the kingdom of God, says the kingdom of God does not exist in eating and drinking. Now, if you go back to Romans chapter 14, here's the ultimate argument, that at that time, there was all kinds of arguments about what people should eat and what they shouldn't eat. It could be said today, like, the kingdom of God is not about wearing or not wearing a mask. The kingdom of God is not about, did you vote for a Democrat or did you vote for a Republican? Now, you've got to understand this. It sounds so ridiculous. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. What he's ultimately saying is all of these things 
that fundamentally at the root level divide us. Folks, there are people right now who don't want to go to the holidays with their families based upon who they voted for or not, what their view of COVID is or their view of COVID isn't. Literally going, we cannot function like family because of our deep-seated convictions. Now, if you think for a minute that God at this moment's saying, your convictions don't matter, that's not true. In the same book, he says, anything that's not done in faith is sin. So your convictions and what you're doing in your conscience matters. But he's saying to us, you need to have your convictions refined by the most substantial and significant thing, which is the kingdom of God. And when we go, well, what's the kingdom of God? He says, the kingdom of God is not in eating or drinking, but it's actually found in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the sphere of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I had a board right here, and my friend Joe's walked me through this, and you wrote up on the board and you put righteousness, peace, and joy. On the other side of righteousness, you'd say righteousness, rightly defined. I like that. It's like an alliteration. Righteousness, rightly defined, is right relationships. Now, if you're a big Bob biblical scholar and you want to disagree with me in that, I'd be more than willing to talk to you afterwards. If you take the whole plumb line thread of the Bible and say it's about relationship with God and other people, righteousness in the Bible is defined as right relationships. Now, that's a really great place to start, even with people when we use this language of relate righteousness a lot when it comes to Christianity, if we just define it as it's just right relationships. Now, if your relationships are right, think for a minute, some of you may have um, sociology background or psychology background, or maybe you're even a newly found, like, interest in neuroscience as everybody talks about it. And if you're a parent, you begin to care about these things because a big question is like, how do I raise stable kids? Here's another word for stable, secure children. So if we wrote, righteousness is right relationships, right relationships bring about security. That's peace. So again, on the board, imagine the board. Righteousness, right relationships, peace is security. Security comes when a child has a right relationship with a mother or father. Right now, so many of you may be tempted to go into therapy or get on talk space and talk to a counselor because you lack peace. And as you begin to explore things with a counselor or otherwise, you go, I lack peace because my relationships were disrupted. I lack security because I have disrupted relationships. In the past, things didn't function the way they should. Right now, you lack present peace because of past wrong relationships or disrupted relationships, or you lack present peace because you have current disrupted relationships. Some of you right now in this room, like with family, you're like, eh, I don't feel peaceful inside at all because I'm not in a right relationship with you, right? Like right now you say that. 
So peace comes from right relationship. The expression of right relationships that lead to peace is joy. We already concluded that. You guys just shook your head when I said the place of your greatest sorrow and your greatest joy revolves around relationships. So even when you say what's ultimately given me a lack of security, a lack of peace, and ultimately sorrow rather than joy was my parents' death, my parents' divorce, my uncle treating me in ways he shouldn't have treated me, Marcus has an incredible story that I'm certain you've either heard or at some point will hear about growing up in a war-torn country. I mean, it's from the greatest national crises that disrupt relationships to all the way our earliest formation in our families is disrupted relationships. Now, every one of those things, relational disruption comes about because of a disease the Bible calls sin. It all starts, begins, manifests, and continues because our relationship with God is disrupted. And when our relationship with God, our first of all firsts of formation, is disrupted from our Heavenly Father, and many may go, Heavenly Father of everybody? Well, that's what Paul says in the book of Acts, that the Father of all nations is the one God. The very thing that the nation of Israel prayed multiple times every day is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is only one God. He's the God of all peoples, in all places, at all times, and for all generations, past, present, and future. When we're disrupted from Him, that disruption and lack of a right relationship with God disrupts and brings about the opposite of peace. The opposite of peace leads to continuation of disrupted relationships on a horizontal level. Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve. Now the narrative of the Bible just continues, and it's this story consistently where you're like, these people are a disaster, like a total disaster. And you're reading this like, Wait a minute, this is like a religious book? Aren't they supposed to tell us about good people? These people are all a disaster. And the beauty of that is you're like, whoa, that's kind of like my life. That's kind of like my wife. And then you're like, that's kind of like me. That's kind of like us. The disease of sin is fundamentally, read the book of Romans, sin is anti-love. Sin is anti-relationship. So when we sit back and we go, Lord, let your kingdom come. It's needed now. What we're ultimately saying, and this is what everybody would say, go to Safeway right over here. If you walked in, you went, what's wrong with the world? I guarantee you, no matter how sophisticated or how simple, what everybody's going to fundamentally say is, Our relationships are totally broken. And when you go, how do you fix it? People go, therapy's helped. Fully helped? No, kind of helped. Forgiveness helped. It really brought about restoration. 
going back to the family Christmas helped, permanently helped. Now, the Bible would advocate, pursue that person, forgive that person, talk to that person you haven't spoken to. You initiate the first move. But permanent help comes entirely and completely from the outside. Because our permanent disruption is fundamentally from the inside. And if it's fundamentally from the inside, the only way to get fundamental inside help can't be keep going inside, keep going inside, keep going inside. The psalmist says, we look to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the outside. One place, the only one who was never disrupted, God. The only one who wasn't disrupted by sin ultimately is from God. Now, I want you to just think about this passage again. The kingdom of God doesn't exist in everybody seeing the world the way you see the world. Your peace doesn't come from everybody just seeing it the way you see it, from everybody voting the way you voted, from everybody dressing the way you dressed, from everybody liking the things you like, from everybody just saying it the way you would say it. The kingdom of God doesn't come from that. It comes from right relationships, and your pursuit of everybody seeing it your way leads to broken relationships, which means broken trust. Broken trust comes from a lot of directions. It comes from them to you, you to them, outside of you, right? All these things. And broken trust is the things that leads to so much of what you and I are experiencing right now. Depression, cynicism, anxiety, fear. All of that stuff comes from broken trust. Our lack of joy comes from an absence of security from right relationships. And right relationships can only be restored with outside help. And outside help comes from God. That is the beauty of Advent, the coming of God into the world. The greatest news in the world is not here's what you have to do to fix something you can never fix. The greatest news in the world, if you think about Jacob's ladder, if you're somewhat familiar with the biblical story, the ladder, if you have understood that picture, if you don't, look up when you leave, Jacob's ladder. Look for the passage, go look at the passage. The movement on the ladder, when Jacob sees it, isn't Jacob climb up the ladder. The whole movement of the angels on the ladder is all of them are coming down. The good news of the gospel is the movement of God coming to us, not us having to reach to God. Which if the longing of every human heart, if you're in this room and you're not a believer, or you're in this room and you're going, my relationships are disrupted, therefore I'm lacking peace, therefore I'm lacking joy, it's come Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God doesn't exist in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, joy, and in the sphere, is what it actually says, of the Holy Spirit. God's coming to us. So as we move into this time of communion, I want us to remember this one thing, that if God's movement is towards us, why does he move towards us? 
because he loves us. Now, I'm really serious. Listen to this. God loves you. Like God passionately loves you. All the walls that you know you've erected, all the times you really wonder, like, does God really love me? God loves you. All of the things that you go, I struggle to experience God's love because my mom didn't love me. God loves you. And I'm going to say something a bunch of you may not even <laughs> agree with, but I want you to think about it. Could it be if God is love and we're made in the image of God that all of these questions you've had of did those people really love you is that they actually did. They actually do. They just really, 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 really struggle to figure out how to offer it. And the only way you'll ever understand or even be able to contemplate, maybe they actually did but relationships were so disrupted is by this, because this is where it always starts. And don't miss it. God loves you. Like desperately, desperately, precisely and permanently loves you. And that's exemplified by what we're about to celebrate, that he pursued us to the point of shedding his own blood and offering his own body on a Christ, on a cross, as the Christ. Let me say it that way. As the Christ, because he so passionately loves us. The kingdom of God doesn't exist in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we love you so clearly because you first loved us. God, thank you for all the good gifts that you give to us. You tell us that every good and every precious gift comes down from your hands. And God, the greatest gifts that we have, our greatest joys in life are in right relationships. God, we need you to restore our relationships with each other. God, ultimately, we need our relationship with you restored. And that happens by your initiating love for us in Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen.